Welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with Toby and Nadia of Harrington Star. This is our one podcast a week where we talk about our passion for great recruitment. Five days a week, we bring you podcasts from the people making waves in the world of financial technology. And on a Sunday, we bring you the Recruitment Roundup. Today, we are talking about the evolution of recruitment. I wanted to talk about how it's changed in many ways over the past 15, 20 years, but also how it hasn't. The things that we're going to talk about today will cover our customers, how we deliver to our customers and what more is needed to change the recruitment process. So normally Toby and I will have a bit of a prep when we talk about our podcast, but today I said to Toby, no, I'm going to surprise you on this topic. So he's got a sore voice, a sore throat, (laughs) and, um, and yeah, it does sound like a sore voice. So there's not going to be too much talking from bad, but just to open things up, I wanted you just to tell us what was recruitment into the sector like 20 years ago when you first started? So do you know what, Nats? I was, uh, I was wondering what was going to hit me when you said I'm going to keep the uh, topic of this one secret today, but what a, what a topic to open up on. Look, I think the, the interesting thing about this, and excuse the voice to everyone, it is very croaky. It was, a, it was an evening at, at Wimbledon yesterday for the tennis. 20 years ago, I wouldn't have had this problem, put it that way. <laughs> so coming back to, to script, the... Recruitment in many ways is exactly the same. Uh, you know, the concepts and mechanics of the job remain you know, exactly the same. We talk about five, five keys, uh, world-class qualification of job, world-class qualification of candidate, attract, engage, and retain the right clients, attract, utilize, and maximize the right candidates, and build your brand. Those are the five core areas of the job. And what has happened over, over the last two decades is, is that has become a lot more intensive due to the, you know, the demands of, uh, of basically digitalization. So just as digitalization has hit every single area of business, 22 years ago when I first started in recruitment, we were sending CVs out via post or fax machine. We didn't have emails or a lot of emails at that sort of stage to, uh, to communicate with clients with. There was a lot more telephone-orientated work. But I remember you know, one of my, my very first boss encouraging me not to go out for meetings. So it was all done over the telephone. It was a telephone intense job. You were um, stuffing envelopes from the CVs at five o'clock every single day and posting them out to, to your customers. And that, that's the biggest fundamental change. There was a lot done through advertising for candidates. Uh, there wasn't LinkedIn. So, you know, you weren't reaching out to people like that. So it was a very different job in some respects, but the fundamental basics of what, you know, our, our first strap line of, of Harrington style, which was, excellence for understanding remain the same. We wanted and, and remain, and the, the fundamental of the job is to understand the needs of your clients and candidates and then match the two of them together. That's the bedrock. But right now we're talking about a, a job that involves a hell of a lot more tech, a lot more networking. It's far more interactive and face-to-face. And I honestly think it's a better job than it's ever been before. The, the, the biggest change I think has been the attitude of both people in the industry and the standards of people within that. And then also the expectations of clients and candidates, because when I got into the job beforehand, this has always been a sort of bugbear of mine. People would always sort of whisper into their chest about, you know, if they were to ask at a party what their, what their job was, and you'd kind of embarrass and say recruitment consultant. And I think over time, actually, and if I then think about the candidates' expectations and the clients' expectations, it was, uh, it was very much by beware. You knew that there wasn't trust in you as an individual for how you were going to interact and have the best interests of both parties at heart. Over time, I think the job has become a hell of a lot more consultative. I think people recognise that they're changing businesses and changing lives from doing it. And actually, I can tell you that, that one of the things in my very first company when we interviewed people, if they said, right, you know, why do you want to do the job? 
and they said it's because I want to help people. We'd almost we were encouraged by that business to sort of laugh at them and throw them out of the uh, out the door because it was all about making money. And I think if you look at it now, it's a lot more about being consultative, a, a genuine consigliere, a trusted advisor, a partner to help people with their biggest issue. And that, that to me has been the biggest scale, the respect that the industry has and the respect that it's, it's given at the same time as well, which is really exciting for me. Yes, and that wasn't even prepped. And I'm, I'm really pleased that those are all the things that you've, you've brought up because, you know, in my intro, I said there's lots that's changed, but then there's lots that hasn't. And also yeah. I think there's more that, that can. And I absolutely agree, you know, the digitalization of it has been truly exciting. You know, our ability to reach people that we, we couldn't reach as quickly before. But I think also that's a double-edged sword because, you know, 15, 20 years ago, everything was on the telephone. Everything was about turning up on your client's doorstep, meeting your candidates. And now, yes, we've got loads of meetups and events. However, there is a, there is a reliance on email communication, LinkedIn emails, rather than that face-to-face. And that's something that we really, really prescribe to here. And I'm sure everyone who knows us and that listens to us knows what, we, what we're doing constantly to, to really you know, be, be the face of recruitment and add that genuine value. And that professionalization that you've spoken about is truly stand out for me because I remember sitting there and feeling silly because I wanted to do good by somebody. It just seems madness now, doesn't it? Because of course it's about adding value. And what I love is that back in 2010, when we started up Harrington Star, this is the conversation that we had. We knew that we wanted to add value. And I mean, I think you were probably the first person in recruitment ever to say, this is about customer service. And that was really revolutionary back in 2010, which is, just seems madness now because it does, it is. It, yeah. of course it's about customer service. Of course it's about adding value. And, you know, we, we went into the Ritz, didn't we? And, and you know, you, you went and spoke to different managers across the Ritz Carlton organization to understand what adding value and customer service is truly about, making that customer feel truly delighted and special through a process. I was listening to a panel conversation this week where one of the individuals said, do not underestimate the power of being easy to work with. And I think that is, yeah. that is truly revolutionary again in the recruitment conversation, because when you start thinking about customer service, adding value, building trust, actually, you know, you're, you're thinking about the person who is essentially receiving the service. You're putting them at the heart of what you're trying to do. So I think it's a a really interesting topic because it's come up again and again for me this week when I've been talking to different people across the financial technology sector, people who are hiring, people who are going through scale-up, people who are trying to get through their Series B, people who are maybe looking for work, not quite sure, those who are aggressively looking for work. And we've always had this conversation, like how much recruitment's changed and, and also their perception of the process. So I was speaking to somebody you referred me to actually yesterday, and he's worked for probably 25 years within the financial technology sector. Throughout those years, he's never really applied for a job, especially through an internal recruiter at a company. You know, he's always been headhunted. It's always been through his referrals. And me just sitting down and talking to him about what the internal process will look like with that company, it got him to then read me his cover notes and, you know, reframe his CV. And I I thought that was really interesting because actually, you know, we, we know recruitment. 
And we kind of assume that a lot of other people do as well, but everybody is in a different experience. There are some people that haven't looked for a job for six years and they're absolutely astounded at the way recruitment is run right now, that they will be headhunted or that they will be one of many people that will go through an interview process, that they will have to speak to a number of internal recruiters as well as external recruiters and the layers in the process. And you know, what, why I wanted to have this conversation is because I wanted to demystify some of that for the candidate experience, but also demystify a bit of that on the client side as well. Like what more can we do to make the recruitment process as easy as possible for those going through it? And I don't necessarily mean as easy to be successful if they're not right for your business, but if they are right, it should be an easy process. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of there's lots of gaps that we can all think about filling from the, the, the communication gap. We've spoken about this many times in recruitment. It, it's really important that we're constantly communicating and giving feedback to, to any individual within the process, whether it's the person who's, who's conducted the interview or the interviewee, both need and deserve detailed feedback on, on what's happened and, and what the next steps are. I think that's a, that's a, huge, a huge part that we can improve on. The red tape and the elongated processes because individuals just aren't sure whether they they can make a decision or they've been spooked by by what's been said in the media and in the marketplace that's another huge area that we can improve on and then of course i'm a big big fan of completely changing the way that we hire and not just focusing purely on job descriptions but looking at role creations as well and through our 19% list program, where we are giving women better visibility of the roles that are out there and giving individuals and companies in the financial technology space better visibility of female technologists, that whole premise of that program is role creation over job description. So I do feel like the evolution is still happening and will continue to happen. I think for today, what I really wanted to cover was, was the changes that I've seen, but also the changes I'd love to see more of. So one thing that's really, really made a huge impact recently, and I know you'll have some thoughts on this, Toby, advertising used to be the number one thing for any financial technology recruiter and probably has been for the past 10 years. The first thing you do is write an advert and post it across maybe seven different job boards. Nowadays, that's just not the case. And, you know, what, what I would say is the first thing to consider when we look at what has evolved in recruitment, it's networks over advertising. And those networks, they're built in different ways than, than advert, adverts were written. I know you might have some comments on that, Bab. Yeah, what we've looked at in the company is to, to basically build a community and be valuable to that community. If you look at where value comes in, it's not just writing an advert and waiting for people to come back to it and then passing it over to the client. Anyone can, you know, can do that. You're paying fees as a, for, to a recruiter to, to basically you know, know their market, know, their, you know, know people within it. So we don't have people who are doing lots of different things. We have people who are specialising in, in specific areas. When you specialise in a specific area, it means you've got a network and you know people into it. So when we have scenarios where someone will phone us up and say, we have been looking for three, four months for this particular, six months for this particular hire, can you help us? And we can take the, and understand that job spec and understand that classification. We shouldn't then just go out and put a job out and wait for someone to come to us. We should be able to say, right, let's go into our, our database. Let's speak to people who we know. 
let's probably have four or five names that we should know straight away as the uh, as the best in the world in that particular area, and then let's go and find uh, uh, find or, or or create their interest in that specific particular position. So I can think of an example recently where one of our our people who has been with us for over ten years had a client with exactly that scenario was asking for someone uh, who they struggled to find and said, look, you really need to help us. This is an urgent, urgent position. And we've been waiting for four months to try and find it. The next call that that consultant made was to the candidate who got the job. So effectively it was on the surface of it, it's five minutes worth of work. And the fee was not an insignificant fee because it's a senior position within that business, but it's not cheap because there's 10 years worth of experience that's gone into knowing the best people in that marketplace. And that particular call was someone who he's been talking to now for, for eight years since he first arrived in the UK from the US. And he's been speaking to him and met him and spent time with him. And then when the right call came eight years later, he was the immediate and perfect person for that particular opportunity. And that, that to me is, is where value is added. It's not about, you know, as it was in, in, the, in, in the old days, writing good copy, putting it out into, uh, into the ether and seeing what comes back. This is now a job which is all about knowing the marketplace and putting good people in front of good people. Thank you. And it's as if we prep for this, because that's the exact example that I wanted you to share with everybody. Because <laughs> there you go. I love that we example. Together for too long. <laughs> yeah, and sorry about your throat, because as you were telling the story, I was like, oh God, I could have told this story. But it was just really <laughs> important for you to share that because I'm so passionate about everything that we are doing from that networking perspective. And that takes me on to you know, another area that I think recruitment's really evolved, and that's partnership over panels and you know look you've touched upon this a number of times already in this conversation partnerships are just super super important throughout the entire recruitment process whether it's the partnership between the recruiter and the company and truly being an extension and an arm of them whether it's that partnership that you just described between lee and that candidate who eight years ago arrived in the uk from the states and they they have been in partnership ever since so that lee could have made that telephone call and the reason why I say partnership over panels is because also when an applicant is going through an interview process, that is where the partnership begins. It's their new partnership with their company. It's their new relationship with their, with their manager, with their peers, with their teammates. And the old school way of hiring, especially in this, in this sector, was having panel style interviews where one sort of shaking individual would be sat on a, you know, a chair in a cold room and, you know, sort of attacked with questions um, to see, you know, how, how, what can we do to make this person break? And it's just, it's brilliant that we've moved away from that because now looking back on it, it's madness. That's not, that's no way to, to identify any good traits of an individual, putting them under that mm. sort of pressure for the roles that, that, that we work on within the financial technology space. And I think it's super important that that whole notion of partnership is we're seeing it more and more within the interview mm. process, but I still think the old school ways of working can creep in. And we often see that with brilliant companies and the good news is they're an anomaly, but an individual will come into an interview process and they will suddenly destroy all the great work that the culture team have done, the people team have done even the exact hiring manager, all the work they've done to really showcase how supportive that environment will be and to set up that person to, to the best possible success that they could ever reach. And then you get one person in with their own agenda 
and, and that can unravel quite quickly. But I wanted to mention that because I think that is a massive step forward for the entire process and industry and should be considered. And people should look at what do our interview processes look like? If we are doing a panel type interview, for whose benefit is that? And what traits are we trying to stress test here by doing it? And is that reflective of what the job's actually going to be? If it is, great. If the job is because there are four people watching the person code all day, great, then that's the way to do it. But I think we all know it's not, not necessarily always the case. I think, I think that's a, a, a massive evolution, not necessarily over the last 20 years, but over the last 20 months, has been the, the, the fallen arrogance of people interviewing, where it's been, right, tell me why you, sh- you, you should have the right to work for my company, has become you know, much more of a two-way street. Uh, people recognise there has to be a bit of craft in an interview to make people want to move into that company. I think about my first interview, you know, many years ago. You know, I came out of there, you know, for want of a better expression, bullied effectively. You know, to, to the job, it was hauled over a hot coal. Why are you, you know, why have you done this? Why you didn't do this? Blah 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 blah. Real interrogation, and I came out desperate to work for that business, um, which is bizarre. And I think if you did the same thing now, people would say, "Well, that's not great. Someone you know, that has any right to work with me." But uh, yeah, I, I remember being asked to speak to a, a speak at a meeting many years ago with, I think, twenty five hedge fund CTOs around there, and we were asked by the CTO of a fairly significant hedge fund to to speak at that conference, and we were asked because we told them what they were doing wasn't going to solve their recruitment problem, how they were interviewing was was failing them as a business. And they said for, for a year or two years, they've been struggling to hire. And that candor was something there which allowed them to start finding the right people for their business. And the candor was effectively that they were just far too rude in the interview process and expected people to want to work for them because they had a great package and a great business and people were going to make a lot of money to work there. But it wasn't necessarily finding them who they wanted to find. So when we spoke to them and told them that and improved the process, they became an excellent employer and able to find much better talent. Now, what he wanted me to do is tell 25 hedge fund CTOs that they were doing the same issue, which is never a great thing to stand in front of a whole bunch of people you met for the first time and tell them they're rubbish at hiring people. But I did it, and it was uh, and it was something there that, that, that was was brilliant. You know, and, and I think but it didn't change an awful lot of that sort of stage. What I think has done now is people recognise that great talent needs to be seduced, um, and interview processes are a big part of that. And whilst you want to find the information you want to find out, you cannot be... You cannot make a process prohibitive to, to allow you access to the best talent. So you've got to think, what is every single aspect of my onboarding and interview and you know, even to, you know, talent attraction pro- process that's going to make sure we stand out as an employer? That's a big difference. Yeah, yeah and you know, I think it's, it's those differentiators that I really wanted to highlight today. And there's another one that, that has really really changed how people perceive talent and we spoke about this a little bit last week but I just wanted to bring it up in this conversation it's now not only what have you done and looking back at somebody's experience to value whether they can do a job within your business but actually it's now about what you can do and looking forward and I really love that because I mean that is so reflective of what this industry is about but also we we do have a deficit of talent you know there's a 
there's a large proportion of, of the financial technology industry that are really happy taking from their competitors because those individuals have the proven skill sets. But we know there's going to be an end point to that because of the, the sheer physical numbers of vacancies that we have right now. So slowly but surely, the mindset is looking to potential rather than proven experience. And I think that that's a really exciting evolution because no one's really got, got the answer to that quite just yet. Like, how do I test this? How do I stress test potential in somebody? How can I put them in all the scenarios that I think may happen? Scenarios that I don't even know will happen because what this sector looked like 18 months ago is totally different to what it looks like now. So I think that's quite an exciting, exciting time for change as well within, that, within the recruitment process. Another thing I wanted to mention was recruitment used to be purely about contingency give me options, give me as many options as possible. If I'm not totally 100% happy with this person's CV, not even this person as an individual, but this person's CV, who else you got on your books? Remember that old, that old chestnut phrase? Yeah, yeah. Who else you got on your books? You know, as if, as if you know, people are commodities and there's just you know, 25,000 more of them. And I think something that's really shifted has been advocacy rather than only contingency. Now, I'm a big fan, always have been, of options. I believe that anyone looking to fill a vacancy, they should be given options. Different skill sets, different personalities, different individuals. But the individual looking for their next role, again, I believe we have a responsibility to give them options within the marketplace so they can make their choice with no stress and little pressure. So I do believe in contingency, but not only contingency and not at the extremities that it has been in the past. And when recruiters are representing their people, they're giving proper advocacy to what their skill set is, who they are, what their potential could be. So this really follows on from my previous point of recruitment and the evolution of it isn't only about what you have done, but it's about what you can do and, and who better to say what somebody could do obviously them themselves of course but who better after that it's us the advocates the recruiters and i'm really loving that that shift within the industry as well it's a few of us it's not everybody just yet but i think it has to be the way forward and i'm really loving working with businesses that understand that that is a crucial part of the process absolutely great all ties into that evolution of the industry in a positive sense right this is a this is a great job you know, I shout out from the rooftops, left, right and centre. I'm two decades in and I'm excited about it every day as I was, you know, 22 years, 22 years ago. It's becoming better and better as an industry. It's becoming more and more valued as an industry. And, I, and I'm really proud of the work the whole industry's done, not just ourselves, but the whole industry at uh, really working out what we can do to, to be brilliant for our, you know, for our customers. And going back to what you said when we did this sort of tour of duty of speaking to people like um, Guillaume Marley, the uh, general manager at the Ritz at the time, listening to Linda Muir, who you know, looked after customer experience with Virgin, and, and reading everything we could about Apple, about uh, Zappos Shoes, about all of these different businesses who are customer service doyens. That, to me, is the future of this industry, where you can create wonderful experiences, create a wonderful service, and add value. And this is, you know, this this comes back to the whole idea of the, the industry ultimately being, you know, overtaken by bots or automation. It serves a purpose to the industry to make it better. It doesn't disrupt what is essentially a job, which is about consultancy, about helping people to get better, about putting the human element into it to allow you to have access 
it's that hidden talent, not just the stuff that a computer can find. Mm. Um, and that's, that's what makes it brilliant. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, as I was thinking about what I wanted to cover today, like, would we have thought that this, these words would describe recruitment? As you say, even 20 months ago, networks, partnership, creation, advocacy, standards, trust, value. Like, it's, it's an industry that I'm truly proud to be within. And of course, all of that encapsulates fast, efficient delivery to solve people's problems. But as I opened up, we cannot overestimate the power of being easy to work with. Really, really important. So uh, Toby takes us on to our uh, speed round questions. I'm going to ask you first so that your voice can have a bit of a rest as I talk in between. But what has been the most exciting thing seen this week? So the most exciting thing, not so much that I've seen, but that we've been working on is this run week for the magazine at the moment. Financial technologists, those of you who know, is a uh, three times a year publication that Harrington Star put together. It's packed full of articles from some of the brightest, the most innovative names in the sector. And this time out, we're doing our, our salary review, salary survey, alongside a whole of, uh, you know, our biggest bunch of research that we've ever done to look at what people are looking for in their jobs at the moment from a package and experience perspective, what makes uh, people stand out as employers. And it's explosive. It's, uh, it's amazing information that we're able to share with people. I can't wait to do that. The salary numbers are interesting because you know, we're still in a market at the moment, which is moving up. So what we're putting putting today, is that going to be the, is that a standard test of time? You know, if, if, if we look at it again in three, three months, I think so. I think there's that, that demand for talent that remains. We've seen a huge spike in talent, but we will be able to look at it and say, look, here is what you can expect to pay people in that sector, which I'm excited to share. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a great magazine. I always say I think this one's our best ever, but this one is our best ever. That's great that we're constantly getting better every time. Oh, get better every day. Get better every magazine. There you go. Ooh. Hashtag. And then what did you learn this week? So this week I've been doing a lot of learning about the convergence of TradFi and DeFi. So I will never profess to be a world-leading expert in technology. But what I'm fascinated about is how it sits and everything in between and trends, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been spending a lot of time speaking to people and learning about the, uh, the era of convergence. Uh, and we're working with the Realisation Group at the moment on a series, which will be a, uh, an article. It will be a, uh, a whole host of interviews uh, culminate in an event and a documentary. Uh, and the documentary is called The Era of Convergence. And what we're looking at is this uh, ever more inevitable collision of traditional finance and decentralised finance. From being Venus and Mars, they're, they're now coming together and, and seeing opportunity in each other. And I've learned so much about an area that I think is, without question, the future of the industry. Uh, and it's very, very exciting to see you know, the huge potential that sits within it. Absolutely. And my, my favourite question, who is your star of the week? Star of the week is just sat outside my office window at the moment, so I can see him beavering away. It's, uh, it's Mr. Ollie Silver. Oliver Silver is a guy I think we've spoken about before a couple of times on the show, but uh, didn't necessarily have the easiest run into the job. It wasn't an overnight success for him when he first came into it. And I think we, what I've seen over the last couple of months alongside Mr. Andrew Nitek, who is a master craftsman, is two people really work and, and fuse well together. And he's put a lot of time and effort into doing what we, what we love doing, which is making people great. And Ollie, over the last couple of months, has been getting better and better and better. And he's breaking, uh, you know, he's broken his record this month in terms of result. 
Uh, but it's really the performance that over the last couple of months I think has been exceptional. So he's really delivered superbly to some uh, some difficult roles, and I couldn't be more pleased for him. So uh, Ollie Silver, well done, mate. That is a cracker of a week, but more importantly, a cracker of a quarter. So uh, really, really pleased to see him uh, in thriving. Well done, Ollie Silver. Amazing. Well done, Ollie Silver. So now so let's go straight over to you and, and return the favour. Tell us what's been the most exciting thing you've seen this week. So you all know that I talk about recruitment, not just being about attracting talent, but but really in, engaging in staff and ensuring that, that people are going to stay within this sector and get better in the sector and progress. So a large part of that is I have a number of people that reach out to me to ask questions around how to best ask about promotion, how to best ask about pay rights. This week, two women within my network have negotiated themselves a 20 grand pay rise. I am so excited about that because we are in the age of, of a lot of women leaving, leaving the financial technology space. And for me to hear that, you know, a bit of advice that I've given has allowed for these two amazing women. I mean, one of them only began their career in fintech five years ago and she'll be moving to 115 base salary. So this is a fantastic, fantastic industry for progression. And yes, there are pockets of challenge, but we can definitely overcome some of those challenges. So I'm so happy about that news this week. That is brilliant news. Well done to, to them. Well done to you for uh, being that rock to help make it happen. And tell us what you've learned this week. I've learned, do not underestimate the power of your mentors. So I had, I had a confidence wobble last week and I was really nervous to send you the video of me presenting because I, I'd asked for it because this is where my confidence wobble came from, how I'd presented it on a particular panel. Anyway, you know the story. I, sent, I, sent, I finally plucked up the courage to get you to watch it and actually it was nowhere near as bad as what, what my whole confidence wobble had been about. So yeah, I just wanted to not, say not, it was not only not nearly as bad; it was it was it was like outstanding, and uh, it, it was one of those hilarious things where you just like you do realise that this is it's happening. So I was like, yeah, it was very I was very pleased to watch that in the end. Yeah, thank you for doing it because you know, like it, it's very interesting. You can build a lot of stuff up in your head, and yeah, I want to encourage people: lean on your mentors. If there's any confidence wobbles that you have, if there's anything that you're not sure about before a pitch, before a conversation, before even one of these promotion conversations that people want to have, lean on your mentors because just uh, hearing your feedback on that, like the amount of just brain stress that's relieved of me is really yeah so a massive learn for me i should have come to you quicker really <laughs> well maybe we, we wouldn't have had the, the footage to watch there which was the real myth yeah. but, wasn't it that was yeah. The, uh, yeah that was the fun of the fair but um i'm pleased you're uh, back on top form again yeah final question that is uh, who's your star of the week no surprise here it is alexandra so alexandra white joined me very at good FinTech. point very good yeah. point yeah, so Monday was FinTech Pride, an event run by Gemma Young of uh, Women of FinTech Diversify Me. It was a brilliant event. There were two panels and a workshop. I hosted the first panel. The second panel needed a host. So me and you had a conversation. I went and asked Alexandra whether she'd like to do it. She's never hosted a panel before. She did so. She did so, so wonderfully. The pictures and videos are amazing. We've been sharing them all week. And, you know, this is walking the talk. This is advocacy. This is someone going outside of their comfort zone. This is someone really, really stretching themselves. And she did so, so wonderfully, so graciously and so effectively. So well done, Alexandra. 
echo that. What a superstar! And uh, I love, I love seeing that. That was, that was brilliant. So this draws the uh, the show to a, to a natural conclusion. Nadia, it's been a pleasure as always. Any final words from you? No, just excited for what's coming next. And this week's theme was because of all the conversations I've been having. And most weeks, that's what where it comes from. So anybody that has anything specific that you want us to cover, please let us know. Absolutely. And please do continue to like, share, rate the podcast. Um, it really means a lot to us and helps us spread it even further and wider than it has done before. We love doing it, but we also love giving value. And that value comes from conversations we have with you. So please do write in, tweet us, email, get me on LinkedIn, get Nadia on LinkedIn. Tell us what you want to hear about and we will look forward to covering it on next week's show. Thanks for listening.